Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insight. Thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sport Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck, the card companies. Last part of the conversation. Again, we were here for an hour and a half talking about lunch. If you've listened to these parts, you can see I'm chomping a little bit because I'm a slow eater, but they had some questions. I asked some questions. We went back and forth. Some interesting insights there, I think, about the fact that Mike is such a serious sports fan and yet is not a collector. On the other hand, he's strongly encouraging his sons to collect, and they are to a degree, but it raises the question whether collecting is caught, taught, nurtured, natured. Are you born into it? I think I was born with the collecting DNA, but apparently not everybody is, and hopefully fanatics can take sports fans and turn them into serious collectors. But Alex is already there. Again, we had a good time. Thanks, Alex and Mike, and thanks, listeners. Here's the final part of my conversation with an old friend and a new friend. Do you think kids that are collecting, because there's a bunch more kids collecting now, are they learning through the hobby what they're good at and what they're not as good at, or are they just learning what they enjoy? Maybe what they enjoy and what they're good at are a lot of overlap there. Because some of them just have this great gift of gab to be able to walk up and sell anything at a card show and others are busy doing the research or trying to figure out what's what Do you see it that way yeah it's evolved to where the card shows you have the gift of gap people and they prefer to put together a complex deal or go for a higher ticket card in person whereas more maybe introverted people whatever they have a great opportunity to arbitrage a whole bunch of auction sites versus ebay versus everything and just keep buying and then they're not as into maybe maximizing the last 5% of the sale. They'll send it to Probstein or something if they're looking to liquidate some of their collection and not liquidate in person. So they're not thinking about, I'm not good at this. They're thinking, I like doing it this way. I wanna do more of what I like. And there's so many different ways to hobby that we've just pointed out two pretty different ways that young people and not so young people are doing really well with. And yeah, and you have even the, the I'm better at buying technically, I'm better at selling, or they're even creating little mini businesses off their Instagram page or a two-way market, if you will, to create a platform. So it's all popping up. When selling your business, when you started telling your inner circle that the sale is coming or it's imminent, did you get the question like, what are you gonna do next? And how did you think about that? And how did you answer that at that time or for the next year after that? I probably was too young to retire, but I didn't think of it that way. And I didn't really broadly announce it until we were in the process and everybody knew because all these people in suits were coming over to the office. <laughs> we kept it pretty close to the vest, but everybody always knows what they're retiring from. Few people know what they're retiring to. I had enough different things I was doing. What's been the unexpected pleasure is I didn't realize that I'd be able to really get back to enjoying the hobby. So now I can go to a card show. People don't bug me that much. I'll visit with some people, but I can hobby on my terms because for so many years there, it was not on my terms. I wasn't in a straight jacket. I had a great situation, but I had to do what I had to do. How long so did that I, take before you got the craving back? No, I was always there, but it's just yeah. I evolved my way to hobby. ComC came along a few years after that, and that's worked out great. And I'm selling on eBay now, but I'll buy and mess around at card shows. I bought some collections in estate sales. I bought some things in auction, and I can just do it as a hobbyist. I'm not worried about how much money I make, but I'm not losing money. 
I have a very self-sustaining <laughs> hobby, and I've promised my wife, beginning this year, I'm selling 1% a month. I want to reduce my footprint 1% a month. 100 months, I'll be done, <laughs> theoretically. So, is it, is it the space it's taking up or the time? It's more the space, but the time is real. If you want to see my stuff, you'll be overwhelmed. You couldn't look at all the stuff. There's too many okay cards that get in the way of the really good cards. Mm -hmm. Most people just want to see the really good cards. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to give away the good cards. I just want to gradually sell those off. And then I'll be left with the cards that I care more about, that I enjoy telling people about. I bought a Will Chamberlain rookie. I'm like, all right, I got to slice off half my pinky finger now to offset this. And I start picking away at what I'm going to sell. What's your process for that 1% trim? Is it all done in one day, like a Band-Aid ripoff? Or do you pack away at a box that you just put stuff in? I put it in the box and send it to Comp C or have it teed up, ready to go for eBay when somebody buys it. And if it sells, it's bittersweet. I don't like selling. But if it sells, it's hopefully going to a home of somebody that really appreciates it. I can't take it with me. So I'm getting in the hands of somebody they really enjoy. In the meantime, when I'm buying stuff, I'm buying stuff occasionally that I think, hey, I'd like to have this. So I'll put this alongside some of the players that I collect or local teams, things like that, that I think that'd be fun to have that. And then other stuff I think, well, I'll just put this on Com C or I'll sell it on eBay just to enjoy the hobby. I don't want to go to the baseball card museum at a show. I don't really want to sell because I don't want to set up. I don't think I even want to trade. I just want to look through some cards and buy a few. And that's been fun. When I retired, did I think that would be... Do I spend 10 or 20 hours a week on cards now? Probably if you count the podcast and all that. So not a full-time job, but I can do it anytime I want to. If something's been underappreciated for 50 years, 70 years, 80 years... There's a pretty good chance it's going to stay underappreciated right. because in spite of the artwork, for whatever reason, it doesn't. So you have that dilemma. Is this temporarily underappreciated? Yeah. The Wayne Gretzky skate to where the puck is going to be. The corollary to that is in little kids' soccer. They're all hovered. It's like a beehive. It's all around the ball. But if you see a little kid that's way over there, he's not where the ball is going to be. He's not antisocial either. He's just not in the fray. He's not even in the game. So if you want to be where the action is, if you're in four-year-old kid soccer, you're going to be near the ball. And that's the way people look at it sometimes. Okay. And then as they get older, they realize they've got to fan out and find their position. So there's some of those, they seem like outliers. They seem like it's going to be brought back into order. This is fabulous art. It's like the Indian gum that was done at the same time as the Gaudi gum. There was Sitting Bull instead of Babe Ruth. They've had increased favor, but nothing compared to the baseball. How do you make the individual decision? Okay, I got 10 cards on my shelf here. Do you use like the hold in your hand? Is this beautiful? Does it bring me joy? Or do you have some, or I wouldn't buy this card again right now. Therefore, at this price, I'm going to oh, sell it. Yeah. How do you actually make the individual decisions? That'll be in month 73 or something, because right now I'm still selling stuff that I have no heartburn about. I'm not selling randomly. The criteria is I'm not so that I'm not going to miss yeah. it. Yeah. By the seventy eighth month, whatever I'm, ooh, what am I really going to sell this now? <laughs> You'll be cutting down to the. But mainly uh, right now, it's mainly bulk. It's mainly more bulk stuff. I'm not selling any really good Roberto Clemente stuff. That'll be the challenge. In fact, if I did weigh it, 
if there was any doubt, I wouldn't sell it. So I still have some things like it's that. It's you for, you know, for a while. But if I'm thinking I'm not going to miss this or I've made the mistake back in the day before I was doing the price guides, I was buying and selling. And I'd sell and I'd think the guy made me an offer. I can refuse it, but I'm not going to refuse it because I can always get it again. That actually turns out not to be true sometimes because the wind can change. And all of a sudden, this autograph rookie card like you collect that you sold and you thought, hey, that's pretty common. I can get another one of those. All of a sudden, the guy dies or something happens. And all of a sudden, it's twice the price what you sold it for. That's hard for me to replacement buy something at a much higher price. If I ever had it, then to buy it back, it would have to be very meaningful for me to do that. And it's probably a function of age. If I was 12 years old, I wouldn't be thinking that way. But as I get older, I'm thinking, I can't take it with me. And I want my cards to get in the hands of people that appreciate them. But I'm going to appreciate some of them right now. And so I'll just hold on to those. And the ones I'm not appreciating as much, in an orderly fashion, I'll transact them. And hopefully I'm not selling it to somebody that's flipping me and immediately doubling the price, that I'm getting it in the hands of someone that really appreciates it. But I can't control that. Yeah. I don't mind wholesaling, but there's like a low wholesale, like with a giant collection. I don't want to do that. I'd rather sell cohesive lots that people could say, you know what, I collect that player, or I collect that team, or I collect that set. Yeah, I want to buy that and I want that. Instead of, hey, here's a giant table full of cards, and what do you give me for it? You're going to get a low offer, but they're going to take it off your hands. I'd rather sell slower. So 1% a month, I think, is achievable. Got it. Like I said, any heartburn, I'm going to wait. I don't want to sell but I think I should, and there's enough stuff back in the back there that I can sell and I won't miss it. In fact, I have a neat setup here, but the bad cards and the pretty good cards get in the way of the good and better cards. So I, when somebody comes over, if they ask me about any obscure player, I can say, yep, I've got it. Let me show you where it is. In 10 years of living here, no one has said that. No one has given me an obscure player that I could go dig out. Right now, my collection is worth X amount. If you were to go back, I'm 42, and you have 10 years to build the greatest collection, but have the base amount, you can't invest more cash. What would be a top couple things might do? I think that'd be really hard. The thing that's been great is that what we've had, especially in the last few years, is the increase in the stuff that you had for a while went up so much that you could sell it and buy a whole bunch of other stuff because you had so much paper profit that you would realize. I think it'd be really tough to get a collection that involves zero base budgeting, that I'm not going to spend anything in a year. Either you're going to have to sell some stuff or do some trading, or you have to be really selective. So to me, I don't see why it can't be like any other hobby or any other... If I call it an investment, again, it's with the idea that this is an alternative. And if you're going to invest 100 bucks, then 10 of it or 15 of it could go to an alternative. So if you're doing some investing and you've got savings, I think that's the way to enjoy the hobby is to put a little money into it, but not so much that you're not going to lose sleep over it. Then in 10 years, you wake up, you've got a nice collection. It probably went up in value. I think that's the expectation. But even if it didn't, you've been buying stuff that you enjoyed, that you really liked. Oh, you know, I think that'd be really hard to say, I'm not going to put any money in this collection for the next 10 years. Yeah, That's I, a social I experiment I wouldn't even want to do. I wouldn't have to sell some things, obviously. Yeah, if that's what you want to do, but Adam Gray, who's the basketball card fanatic, he has his top 100 cards, and he ranks them. And so if he's going to buy something that's going to go in there, he's selling off number 99 and number 100, and he's winnowing all the way. Did and you ever do that? No. Of, no, you were 
No, I've always, or, I'm a bigger collection yeah. guy from my generation. It wasn't mm-hmm. how many great cars. It was, did you have all the major complete sets? I was a complete set guy, complete set, yeah. but not anymore. I sold off a lot of them before I started the company, which I want them back now, Mike. Right? <laughs> Statute of limitations forever I sold them to. But, yeah. yeah, so now it's more in vogue to have a smaller collection that you could carry in a satchel. I don't have that yet. And I won't for about 99 more months. You think that trend will continue? There's so many marketing dollars going toward that, that you are in the break and they don't even ship anything but the hits. So if it's not a hit, it's cannon fodder, which is horrible. I think every card ought to have a home and every card ought to have an appropriate value. They might not be very valuable, but they shouldn't be worth less. They shouldn't be printing them up if they're worthless. That was the problem with the junk wax era. The cards literally became worthless. Not just worthless, but worthless. That you really couldn't even get an offer. If you had a monster box of cards, it wasn't worth as much as the monster box that was empty. The man-